Are you ready to get real? Welcome to Real Estate, the world's loneliest career, where you're always out of balance, unfulfilled, the role models are fake, the numbers unattainable, and you're just supposed to be and do it all. Join three self-made millionaire real estate agents, wives, moms, and business owners as we level up, learn from special guests, and elevate and disrupt an entire industry through real education our way. Hey guys, it's your homegirls. We are so excited to bring to you today Miss Kirsten Jordan, fresh out of New York City. She is with Douglas Elliman, mother of three, wife, and the first female star on Million Dollar List in New York. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. I can't believe we're on other sides of the country from each other and can just do this, do this live like this. It's amazing. It's so fun. So we want to start off like just a little bit of background about you, who you are and how you got into real estate. And then we'll go into some of our other fun questions we have for you today. So I got into the business um, when I was 20, turning 25, I was 24. I came back from studying, living abroad in Italy for a couple of years. I, I, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin, moved to Chicago, realized it wasn't for me. I, I had studied abroad in Rome during college. And so I had this passion for living in Italy. So what I did was I moved to, I moved to Italy, um, when I was right after, right after college, after a year in Chicago. And I, uh, worked as a, I worked my way through Italy. So I, you know, did all kinds of, you know, odd jobs, didn't really have a visa and decided to come back, uh, after a couple of years and just kind of, you know, I realized by living in Italy, that being in Italy without your family, without like a huge financial backing was something that like fundamentally was pretty tough. So I was in sales. Uh, when I was in Italy, I was selling designs for greeting cards and wrapping papers. I, I was actually literally selling licenses to designs and traveling around Eastern Europe and um, Northern Europe, meeting with different companies. And uh, that's, and I had learned Italian. So this was something that like, I was, I realized that it was, I was good at sales and it was something I liked. There was a lot of interaction with other people, you know, commissions, all of that. So when I got back to the US, I thought, what could I do where I speak Italian, do sales? And, and I had this fantasy of like working with all Italians and speaking Italian to all of my clients and just like, you know, I don't know, drive, I was probably going to like drive like a Fiat Cinquecento around um, New York City <laughs> and sell real estate to Italians. You know, fast forward 13 years later, um, still work with Italians, but they're not my, you know, entire client base. And they're still, they're like a huge, huge pain in the butt as well to work with, as you can imagine. So, so that's kind of been my, that was my journey into getting into the business in the first place. And uh, I started off working for uh, a small team and then I quickly realized I needed to be in a, in, in a, in a position where I was directly working under somebody and having some sort of financial security from a base salary. And, uh, and so I started working as an assistant for a top real estate agent um, in 2007. Right before the world changed back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then how did you segue into building your own team and doing everything you're doing now? Well, it took me a long time to decide to build my own team. I think like uh, my, my coach calls it broken wing syndrome. Um, where this idea that like you need to somehow be part of a larger entity and that somehow there's less effort 
and more abundance being um, kind of underneath a team leader versus being your own agent. And for me, that worked for a long time, you know, working on other teams. I, I was first, I was a, first I was in a, I was on a small team then I was an assistant um, for a one woman kind of show. And then uh, eventually joined a team that during its formation, that's a top producing team here in New York city. Um, and then, and then realized at the end of last year, beginning of this year, that it was time to start my own team. So that's when I decided to leave Compass. I came to Douglas Salomon and started my, and, and started my team. So it was, it, and that's been, so I feel like we're in the first six months, which is really, really the, I mean, it's, it's like running a startup. It's, it's absolutely exhausting, super, super hard. Um, and it feels like every day you're like running through brick walls or banging your head against them or taking a fork and stabbing in your eye, even though it's really, really fun and amazing. It's just a lot of work. So coming out of COVID, changing brokerages, building a team, going on a reality TV show, having three children. So then the obvious question is, how are you balancing all of this? Um, I would say there is no there's definitely no balance from the perspective that there's nothing I could, I mean, I, I think I try to be present in whatever I'm in at the moment. And I try to balance my time um, and say, I think now I'm saying no more than I was even before. In the beginning of, of the show, it was, everybody was like, say yes to everything, do everything. And, you know, really just like go for it. Everything's an opportunity. And now, and I'm, and I process things differently than other people. It takes me time to kind of like absorb everything and understand, you know, I'm super naive. So, you know, I really did get sucked into a lot of different things right in the beginning, especially, you know, filming the show itself is a big commitment in general. Um, You know, you're able to work in the business because that's how everybody does it. You know, everybody on the show is extremely successful. So it's not like you can't be a real estate broker. You can, but, um, I've had to, you know, I, I put in, I put in like 150% at every single thing I did. And I think when it was over, I was like, this is not sustainable at all. And I also need a support system. So as I was finishing, I mean, I would say we finished filming in, in June. Um, so I would say the beginning of this year was when I was like, this is crazy. I'm like also on a team reporting to other people and putting 150% into this thing. And I'm a, I have a family and this like, yes, starting my own team is going to be something that's really, really tough, but long-term it's probably something that's going to make this job sustainable for me. Cause otherwise I actually can't sustain it. And so as far as like balance is concerned, I would say there's, I have no balance right now at all, but I would say that um, I'm trying to reprioritize from the perspective that, you know, I feel like I spent the last year not really seeing my kids as much, not really being able to be present with them because of the fact that it really is then just, it's just been really, really hard. Like it's just been like really a big grind. Um, and so right now I'm, I would say I'm in the process of saying, okay, like how can I figure out how to be present with my kids when I'm with them, carve out that little bit more time, say no to the things that really aren't revenue driving and really aren't, you know, something that I can say is towards the Kirsten Jordan as a personal brand, as a thought leader in real estate and a mentor to other real estate agents and, and mothers and women in the field. And, you know, like I said, driving the rev- revenue, building the team, you know, maybe opening into other markets in the future. 
How does your husband handle all this? And what role does your husband play in your business world? Your like what in my what life like? <laughs> so my husband is a real estate developer, also an active investor, and um, so he has a lot of experience in in real estate as well, which is also really helpful because he understands a little bit more about what it takes and what kind of um, kind of the the peaks and valleys, but also you know just in general, how, how this business works. So that's been great. He is a little bit more flexible with me as far as his schedule, because, you know, as he is the client and, you know, in general, I am, you know, we're, we're, we are, you know, in the client services side of things, um, you know, as a client, he's definitely has a little more flexibility for his time. So that's been helpful because he's been, been able to stand in and step in. I also have, you know, family that lives nearby. I also have parents who fly in from Minnesota and actually have an apartment near me as well. So they are also around a lot. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that we kind of cover things, but he's a super present father. He's super supportive. He's, you know, a really, really great guy. And, um, you know, he's one of the reasons I ended up so kind of far into this and kind of stuck it out, I think, was because of the fact that, you know, I worked on his business and he was always kind of uh, showing me opportunities, which then helped develop the more, um, a deeper understanding of, of the product in Manhattan, which is that there is a lot of new build product, which is unique to itself. And getting a special, getting specialization in that particular part of the business is unique and more interesting in general to me. And so that was something that helped me kind of stay in the business when it wasn't really fun, you know, being in between pregnancies, being on a team with no support, not being really able to outsource and always kind of being dealing with all kinds of little details and stuff that wasn't interesting to me. Um, so I think that's what kind of kept me in the business. And so now um, it's just great. It's just great to have somebody who's a real sounding board who has been such a supportive figure in my life. Like gets it. Like he gets it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does. I mean, he also like, you know, he gets it. He's a, he's also my client. So that's its own thing. <laughs> um, so I'm super fascinated with New York real estate in general. I think most of us are just because it's so different from everywhere else in the country. Um, how have you carved yourself out? What is your niche there? Like, are you hyper local? Like, do you have to be like, how do you learn that much about every single like condo or unit there? Like it's the amount of knowledge that's required to sell real estate in New York is insane. So how did you figure right. out like where to, and how to specialize there? Um, well, the, the, the agent I worked under when I was, um, kind of starting out really and worked as an assistant. She specialized more in the Upper East Side uptown market. Um, and so that was really interesting and really, really, you know, helpful. She also did a lot of townhouse business. And, and even though she was specializing because of the fact that that's where the bulk of the business that she did was, she was never a specialist in the sense that she never said no to other product, which was always helpful because we were able to kind of work on different, different parts of the different parts of New York city and different parts of Manhattan specifically. So I would say, you know, I probably should specialize more. That's probably a weakness um, in the sense that I probably should spend more time specializing because I've done so much in so many different parts of the city and also have this new development expertise. Um, I've been trying to get people on my team who specialize 
so that I can continue to be somewhat of a generalist. And because I do believe the opportunities will continue to come kind of from all different places. So, uh, so long story short on the specializing, you know, question would be that I don't necessarily specialize other than luxury. And, you know, I would say aesthetically pleasing product is, is clearly where we where I'm really always pushing to be in. And that involves working on new development, which fees, which, which means that we're part of the side of picking finishes, picking layouts, picking the product that we're going to be working on and, and being on the creation side so that I'm not only dealing with resale product that's handed to me that I have no control over what it looks like. That sounds so fun. <laughs> it is. It is fun. And I that's why I really smaller like scale it. here, but um, so what is considered a luxury price point in New York city? Um, well, technically there's a luxury report that was put out starting in 2007 and they're calling luxury, anything $4 million and above in, in the city. So I would say that's something that's kind of hard and fast. I would be surprised if in five years that was 5 million and above, just because of the fact that it kind of, but, but it is still true. Something in the threes versus something in the fours, I guess, maybe you start to get, that's where the line is, but yeah. I think at some point that will shift. Yeah. Um, what is something that being on the show at Million Dollar Listing New York, um, what is something that you have learned from your new sphere of people that you're going to be surrounding yourself with in business? Like what, what are like some awesome business tips that you've picked up from them um, or that you shared with them? Um, I would say one person on the show gave me this advice and I, will, I won't, I won't say their name because I, I don't know if they want to be attached to it, but it would be, you know, that you don't owe anybody anything. And um, I think that that's something that like I, he told me it right before I ended up even started starting to film. I had been cast, but I hadn't started filming yet. And I was like, interesting piece of advice. Mm-hmm. And now that I've like, filmed the season, I'm like, oh, I get it now. Um, just because that's kind of how it is. And people come out of the woodwork in weird ways when you are all of a sudden on a television show. Um, And I'm super naive. So I always think people are just reaching out to me because they actually just want to talk to me, but that's not always the case. And, um, and so I would say that's like one piece of advice and something that I learned and I'm learning that right now. The other thing is being really careful about putting out there to the world, the agent that you want to be, not the agent that you are. So I think that um, it's, that's a really, really important piece of business advice, I think, for all of us, which is that, you know, it's that act as if it's that put, putting out there this, the, the parts of yourself and the parts of the business that you want to be working on. Um, and so, and, and, and what does that look like so that people who see you see who you want to be so that they give you what you're looking for and not just focusing on, you know, where your business is now and, um, and that you wish you were someplace else. Awesome. That's great advice for any agent at any level. So thank you for sharing that. What's been the most negative thing that's happened since you've been on the show and on such a public platform? Um, I mean, there's been some trolls, which, you know, have kind of, you know, I think the thing with the trolls um, is that they always do, they really do find a way to point out something that is probably a part of yourself that you didn't act like honestly isn't even something that you even thought was so bad but but then but then like also really um amplify it and really dig in you know to that so it's not just like a little quick 
snippet that's like a snarky remark it usually goes a lot deeper and keeps going you know and so that's so that's something I've, I, I was, I've just been surprised by because it's like, these people have a lot of time in their hands, clearly, if they're going to spend the time doing that, but they also, there's something there that's, that's weird. And I think that that's, that's always tough because just it's, it's unsettling. Um, it's not something that's, you can't get past, but it is kind of unsettling. Um, and then, you know, I think the other things that have been kind of negative, you know, is just, you know, you have a couple of relationships that kind of, you know, here and there uh, for whatever reason, you know, kind of fall apart because the fact that, you know, they don't agree with reality television. And then, you know, the me pushing my brand and putting myself out there, I think for some people is probably off-putting, especially people that maybe, um, I wouldn't call it jealousy. I would say maybe it's kind of an envy for, um, you know, uh, for, for the fact that I've, you know, decided to make this decision and, and put myself that far forward. Um, also, you know, I recently had a situation where, uh, you know, I had, I don't know how I have to be super vague about this, but basically I put myself up to get into a private organization and some, and it has something, and it was something that is in an area that's where there are people from my past who are there. And, um, and some people actually came forward and made sure that I'm having a very difficult time getting into that organization and it, there's no, no, there's just absolutely no good reason. Um, and so it's something that's really, really interesting. And I can't imagine anything other than it having to do with the, the, with, with the platform, of, platform of the television show and people maybe not agreeing with, um, not agreeing with the decision to, to be part of, to be part of a television show, specifically a reality television show. Cause I also think that's part of this is that, you know, Bravo is a pretty broad platform with a lot of different, um, with, with a lot of different franchises, um, you know, and so not all of those franchises maybe, you know, are the same as a business-based, you know, television show like, like Million Dollar Western New York, which is really focused on business. So, you know, and then, and so you kind of do get grouped in with um, some other conflict-based shows, which are, great shows and people freaking love them for a reason because they're beautifully done and those those people are working really hard as well and I they are badasses um but you know clearly there's there's that kind of aspect of things that kind of pulls kind of just you know gets all pulled together so I would say that's that's those those are the kinds of negatives that I wasn't expecting um I kind of expected you know I've been good to all these people over the years in my life and I and I feel like I don't have a trail of any bad reputation so then to have negativity come up for no reason you know it it clearly it must be a trigger for some people and that's just what it is are you did it change the dynamic of of working transactions with other agents in the city so like our other agents um snarky or nasty or nicer to you than they would normally be now since this show has come about? Um, I would say I do get more calls back on certain things than I would before. I think you all know, especially in a market, like you're probably in a market that's extremely tight with not that much inventory, right? Um, you know, I do think that it helps get a few phone calls back here and there. Um, I would say with other agents, you know, I, I know a lot of the agents anyway, from over the years, like I've been doing this for a long time and the business is very small. So 
you know, I would say a lot of people, it's more like, oh, they're excited to catch up because they want to hear how things are going. And, and then I'll get a couple people who are like, oh my God, yeah. And congratulations. I just looked, I, I just realized you're on the show. Congratulations. Want to chit chat about it. So I would say if anything, the brokers overall have been pretty sweet and pretty, and pretty nice about it. You know, even the older agents who I know think the show is like a little bit ridiculous for them, you know, because they've been in the business, you know, maybe three times as long as the show's been around. <laughs> we had kind of touched on this before we started recording. So I do want to circle back to it. So one of the things that we talk about all the time is, you know, I don't know how else to put it other than like this big dick energy female thing, right? Where we make men feel emasculated. We're too strong. We're too aggressive. We're too this, we're too that. How do you handle that in this business? It's such a male dominated industry. Like men all the time say to me, like, you know, hi, sweetie. And I'm like, would you say that to, you know, the man who's calling you? The answer is no. So how do you kind of deal with that? And how do you, um, how do you handle the, you know, all the bitchy comments, right. That we get as being strong women like this. How do you handle all that? Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I kind of just, I'm at the point where they, nothing's aside from a couple of trolls here and there, I don't really get a, a ton that's super direct at me. I would say, um, you know, New York because of just the, the, the political nature of the city and the litigious nature of this city, I would say that it's really very, very few situations where you have overt um, discrimination like that, I would say, or whatever you want to call that overt mansplaining, whatever it is, everything that's done is so subtle that usually I don't actually realize what happened until it's over. Um, because I'm so, I'm just, that's just kind of how I am in situations. I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm the way I process things. I usually process that kind of thing later. And usually in the situation, I'm just like having a great time chit chatting, keeping a smile on my face. And then later I'll be like, wait, that was kind of like a little bit ridiculous. And so usually it's already done and there's nothing that I can do. So I would say that's like, that's kind, and maybe that's something I should work on being more present to be able to be, um, to be able to kind of like push back in those situations more, but I'm not there psychologically. I'm more of just like a rolling with it, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if that's how you feel like, you know, it's kind of your loss. Sounds like you also have that big dick energy though. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I, I honestly, I think that's what it is. Like, I don't actually, I actually don't have the, I don't have enough perception ability to be able to realize that's what's going on. Cause I actually like think of myself such on the same level as men, um, that I don't actually, I don't process it. If that makes sense. Like if, if they're trying to come at me with that, like, I don't actually get it. Like I, I think, and I mean, that might be disarming. And maybe that's why it doesn't happen to me as much because they're just like, okay, she just like, she doesn't even understand what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> Are you Italian? Yes. Yeah. I, um, I also love Rome and I have a little Italian in me and I feel like we're probably like soul sisters in some level. Um, <laughs> she's been duolingoing Italian for a while. Oh. <laughs> I, have. I love it. So I can't wait to go back to Rome. Oh man. But yeah, I think that would be super cool to be able to speak Italian to your clients. We don't have too many Italian clients here. So I, I would assume that New York is probably like the best possible place to be if you want that New York experience in America. So Italians love New York and they love Miami. So it's like pick one. Why do you think they love New York? Um, you know, it is it's such a cosmopolitan 
place. I mean, there's just, it's so international. It is also, I don't, I can't, you know, this isn't something I think about unless I'm really like up super early in Central Park and I'm like looking around at the fact that you have all these skyscrapers around this park. And it's, it really is like a very special place. It, it's even just aesthetically, like it's crazy. When you walk around, you have all these big buildings, you have these stores, you can get anything at any time of day. I mean, it, it is a, it's a full body experience. And so, yeah, it's, it's from a tourism perspective and from an energy perspective, I think that it's something that, that it does have a likening to Italy because Italy is a full body experience as well. You know, you go to Italy and it's like between the cuisine and the people and the, the hustle and the bustle or the, you know, the piazza in the small town where there's, you know, the, the, the little old ladies and men sitting around, you know, drinking their espressos at six o'clock in the afternoon and chit-chatting. Um, you know, it's just, it's, I think there's, there's some kinship there. Um, it's alive. Yeah. New York city is like a whole person yeah. in itself, right? It is. It is. It's, a, it's, a, it's an organism for sure. Tell us about your morning routine. Everybody loves this morning routine. You're right. Everybody. It's so funny because I've had to take a step back from the lifestyle aspect of things because of um, the fact that it's an easy direction to go as a, as a female public figure, I think, you know, is to go in this kind of like, you know, what do I eat for breakfast? And what do I put my water in the morning? And, you know, all that stuff, which I think is super important and it's great. It's unfortunate. It's a little bit cliche. Um, you know, like I wake up really early. I, you know, I, I drink, you know, I drink water and lemon after my meditation, but I have a meditation that I do in the morning really early while I'm by myself. And then I try to work out afterwards. Um, whether I caffeinate before or after I work out depends on my mood and whatever phase I'm in with caffeine. Um, cause I think I'm, I'm like a phase person when it comes to most substances. Um, and so it's like, you know, that's, and, and so for the, it's the, it's the meditation and the, you know, the, the, like what I put into my body exercise. And then of course, you know, caffeination, bunch of supplements with breakfast and spending time with my kids. That's kind of like, that's my, I don't know how many pieces that is of a, of a morning routine. Um, but you know, I do wish I was more efficient in the morning, but I feel like, uh, it's kind of ebbs and flows. And I think everybody kind of needs to vary things up sometimes, you know, but the meditation thing, I do notice a really big difference when I get off of that for a little while. And then I try to stay away from coffee, even though here and there I'll dabble in it for a little while. I do find summer's the hardest time not to drink coffee because I drink hot tea with oat milk, like hot black tea. Like I'm, a, I'm like an English breakfast kind of person. And I put myo-inositol in it, which is a, which is actually a vitamin, which is sweet technically. And, um, what's so funny about that is that in the summer, we don't use that much air conditioning in my apartment. And so like, it's really hard to drink hot tea with milk in the morning when it's really hot. And so then I switched to iced coffee and then I'm making these like iced lattes for myself. And then after two or three days, I'm like, I'm freaking out on people because I'm, I can't drink coffee. And so it's like this vicious cycle where I'm like, I'm going to have coffee for a couple of days. And then I'm like, I just flipped out on somebody. I'm going to switch back to tea. So <laughs> a lot of information, but that's what goes on with me. Coffee makes <laughs> me in that bag. So I do a morning meditation also, and I have for years and years and years and years. Um, and I, I actually, I do one at night before I go to bed and I do one in the morning, but are you meditating or are you like manifesting during that time? Good question. Good question. I totally vacillate between these things. Um, 
like for example, this morning I got up at four, at four, well, I didn't sleep basically because I knew I had to wake up at 4.30 and because I had to, I was on CNBC this morning on CNBC Worldwide. So that was a 5.40 slot, which was, you know, which was great. Awesome. But I woke up and my, so it was really more of a meditation because it was just like calming myself and really just going deep subconscious wise and just trying to just get into a meditative state to like calm myself down for the fact that like, I don't know you know, prepping, wanting to be present, wanting to be on for this kind of thing. Otherwise, what I do is I all, there's a Tony Robbins um, priming video that I listen to. That's like 20 minutes. Love that. So sometimes I do that because I do find that it's great because it is a sequence because sometimes I'm so like wound that I need someone to sequence the the meditating and the manifesting and the gratitude part. And then sometimes I go through periods where like, I really need to deeply meditate and really deeply manifest, like, because the manifesting period of the priming video is too short. And so I feel like I sometimes have to pause it to like manifest. So I, I think like everything else, I kind of vary, but, you know, kind of based on what's going on, but I do find that the manifesting is the most powerful when I do the deeper meditation with manifesting and not anything that's sequenced, even though it's sometimes the only way to kind of fit it in is to listen to something. So who taught you this practice and how long have you been doing it? Um, I read this book called, or listened to it, I remember, by Emily Fletcher, you know, that stress less accomplished more. So I did, I did the book um, because I was, I had some neck issues and I went to my chiropractor and he was like, you also need meditation because you're like so wound. So I, I started doing that and that kind of got me into this, you know, doing this practice once or twice a day. I need to start going back to the twice a day. I was doing twice a day for a long time and I do think it's really powerful, better than any caffeination you can do in the afternoon by far. Oh yeah, It's amazing. So yeah, I would say Emily Fletcher's what got me onto it. And then I think, you know, I, I do continue, like, for example, I, I've been trying to finish Joe Dispenza's book, Supernatural and like, so good right but but my that's favorite. a see i find but i find that meditation impractical like it's so my 11 year old he he sits in the car with me and, and since the day he was born he's pretty much listened to nothing but that kind of stuff um but when it comes to joe dispenza like he will drive down the road and you know he'll he'll peep up from the back seat and be like hey what does that mean you know and it's really cool so we get to have this like spiritual conversation with each other for a second but joe dispenza um, I'm rereading all of his books, listening on audio this time. And he's like, mom, I can't deal with this guy's voice. And I'm like, but he's the best. You got to just, you're soaking he, it in. He's, he's really good. I just, it's tough. It's tough. It's like, it's tough to get through if you're like, you know, at a different wavelength for a it moment. Is. It is. Uh, yes. But you believe, which is kind of the reason that I asked, because so many people who've been on our show that are very, very high level they have some type of practice for goal setting and manifesting and all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I don't know how you get to any sort of next level without some level of some kind of visualization of what you imagine things to be. And even if they don't want to call it that, even if it's just, you know, writing something and putting it on the wall and looking at it a bunch of times, I, I do think there's a lot there. What's the one thing you wish you had done sooner in your business? Um, 
so many things. Um, get an assistant. Like, what was that? God, I don't know what I was thinking. So yeah, I would say that's number one. I got all kinds of other things, but yeah, that's number one, basically number one. And then the, and then starting my own team was something that, you know, I've been pushing that down the road. I, I, I never even thought I needed to do it. And then I realized like, there's no way I'm ever going to get where I want to be without doing this. So you're just in like this huge transition phase right now, it sounds like to me. And so how, I guess like, or is it like a lonely place to be right now? Or is it a freeing place to be? Or how does, how does all of this transition feel for you right now? Um, I would say, well, it's interesting you say lonely because um, it was much lonelier right when I started at Element because of the fact that I started my team, but I had kind of fragmented um, people on the team. Like I had an operations person that was a, doing a little bit of everything. So he was, he was really stretched too thin and his, that was really hard for him. And, and, and then I had a, an agent on the team who's, who's, who's great. And she's still on the team. She's really wonderful. Um, but there wasn't like a true North because I only know how to be a broker. I don't know how to be a team leader and run a team and give the mentorship and the guidance that's needed to be able to grow team members. Um, you know, so, so for me, I would say right now, what I ended up doing without even planning on it was I looked for this, a more, a more like full on director of operations position. Um, like, a, a, and then what happened was uh, somebody came to me who I had known for about 15 years, who is, has 15 years of experience in the business. I actually probably know her. I probably know her for 20 years. Cause she's friends with, went to college with my sister and she had 15 years of experience in the business, worked for several developers, you know, has dealt with transaction volume, you know, between pre-development and about two and a half billion and um, knew a bunch of different people, was coming off a of maternity leave um, and had been through a transition because of COVID job-wise and um, came to me and said, you know, uh, do you have room for someone like me on the team? And she has a specialty in new development. And so I thought, yeah, I mean, I would love to have you run my new development department. So then I explained to her, you know, it's great. You're going to run new development. Here's what I can put you on, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's going to work out great. And then I was like, yeah, and I am hiring this, you know, I'm looking for this director of operations position. And, but I think they also have to be kind of like an office manager and they've got to do this and they're all this crazy stuff. And, and she was like, uh, why don't I just do that? And what was so special about this was we were able to create a position called what I call her, my COO. So essentially, and if you Google COO, it's like, the everything job. It's literally like business development, team building, the the manifesting of the, you know, the whatever you want to call it, your your purpose, mission statement, everything. And so what's been so great about that is that she has grown into this position. So I'm actually not lonely anymore because I have this person who I speak to like a thousand times a day and it has the same you know, has the same level of, of experience that I do, probably even more experience, um, doesn't want to do this by herself the same way. I don't want to do this by myself and is able to kind of have her fingers in everything and really be operational at a level. That's something that you can't even actually ask for to find in this particular position, literally, like people don't exist at that level that want to do this job. So that's been something really, really special for me and something that I think probably came from some level of manifesting or gratitude or being a good person to other people or karma that I don't even understand why it came to, why she came to me. Um, but she's super special. And so that's, I feel like I have this 
I have somebody really incredible that I am able to kind of like share this with a little bit from a mental load perspective, because I think that the loneliness, the same way it is lonely to be a mother, the mental load is where the loneliness comes from. I think, and that is probably for all of us is when you feel like you can't share the, um, when you can't share the mental load from any, with anybody else. So I heard you say at the beginning of the conversation that you're very for women and women in business and moms and all the things. What do you say to the woman who has experienced a moderate or high level of success in their career, but is afraid to take that next step into team ownership, team leading, leverage, any of those things? Like, um, because I think to most, it just feels like a second job and you're already momming, wiping, working, right? So what do you say to those women? I, I think that those women, we all need a wife. You know, and I think there's like, how do you find the wife for you? I mean, like literally, and this is like totally gender, whatever. I don't know what I else say to say. I this all the time. I don't need a But like we all, I need a wife. I need a wife. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is like, what does the wife responsibilities look like to you? And is that somebody who helps you at a higher level of childcare? Does they help you at a higher level at the office? Do they help you at a higher level with, you know, like, I mean, my assistant was just on the phone earlier with the, you know, with the with my kids swimming classes, adjusting the swimming schedule, which is like something I don't have the bandwidth for right now or understanding, you know, who I have in camp the week of July 4th. Cause I don't remember, you know, who's actually has camp next week or the week following week. Cause it's like some camps took off one week and the other ones took the one. So it's like, you know, those are things where that mental load for me was what really, I think was like giving me so much more stress over the years. And that was something that I never thought could be outsourced because I thought that the chicken and the egg was that you had to make enough money to be able to pay the people to outsource. But once I started outsourcing and then the income was coming so much more rapidly because of the outsourcing, I started to think, what else could I outsource so that I'm able to be more quality at home? Um, maybe even more present at home, not even spending that much more time, but just being more quality with my time. Um, and I, and I think that that is literally finding these wives. I think it's, you touched on exactly. I think it's either fear or it's scarcity, right? So I think that a lot of women are in scarcity about if I delegate, if I leverage, if I hire help, then I don't have the income to support it. But like you said, it's actually the exact opposite. There's more abundance there when that happens. Yeah, And I, and and the people, honestly, the people who are the best at doing this are actually other women who have children or are able to understand things at that level. And, And that's where I think supporting women as much as possible in this, um, in this industry is something that's actually pretty easy to do because it's like just hire a hire a woman for that because they actually probably can multitask enough or at least get ahead of the problem or at least see the issues coming um without the because it's just a different kind of it's just a kind of different kind of brain and um so I, i'm still trying to figure all that out but i would say that that's that's probably where to go. And I do think you have to take a leap of faith. You have to take a leap of faith. You've got to set aside some savings. Maybe you have to borrow money. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of being like, if you got to borrow money, you borrow money. Because you know what? There is no, there is, there is no larger price than sanity, in my opinion, and no greater misery than feeling overwhelmed and feeling like you have no support. Love that. Um, I have one last question for you, and that's what drives you um, every day? So what what is the one thing that um, keeps you going. 
Um, I, I mean, I, I wish I had like one specific thing. I, you know, I, I love, I, I do, I, I do just get a ton of joy out of the thought leadership, mentorship, inspirational, all of that stuff. That's like a huge driver for me. And everybody always asks me, you know, what would you do if you weren't a real estate broker? And I'm like, I'd be a, a motivational speaker, public, you know, that's all I would do. That's what I would do. And you know what? It's like, that's, that's hope. Honestly, when I, when I decided to do the show, I was like, this is going to take my real estate career to another level, but this is also going to give me this opportunity to do this thing that I love. And it's going to give me this platform. That's going to make people actually ask me to do that for them instead of having to create a platform and then do it afterwards. I love, I love it. it. Awesome. We love you. You're so cool. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. I wonder if you, once you actually watch the show, if you'll actually still like me though. Yeah, we will. We watch watched it. Show to know. <laughs> I mean, like, how cool is this? Like, you were at CNBC this morning. Now you're here with, you know, little old us here in Colorado, and we're basically CNBC, right? I mean, basically, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, this is much more fun than CNBC. It's like CNBC is like you get like a six minute slot, and you're like, and it's on a delayed. It's on a delayed Zoom, by the way. So they're asking you a question. You're trying to process it. So you and it's probably like two seconds the like it's so weird right now I can't wait till we're doing this stuff in person again because I think I would kill it in person oh absolutely I yeah. think you're amazing like I think you're so charming like I love this <laughs> like I want to be friends Thank with you, you in, in real life and on social media you're like totally okay. well you have to follow me on social media because that's like really important <laughs> <laughs> yes yes when you when the you currency have your- things the when you world. have your motivational speaking business up and running, we want to come in and learn, learn from you. I keep getting, I've having people reaching out for mentorships. I have like, it is, it's an it's own side business. That's why Ryan has done so much of it because yeah. the fact that the largest business from this business, aside from real estate is other real estate agents that want to know how yeah. you do what you do mm-hmm. and how you like keep your chin up. We've actually been trying to get Ryan to come on because we have a good friend of ours who's real, who's friends with him. So I texted him and I was like, you let Ryan know he's not our first million dollar listing agent. So suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and you know what's hard about all this is that there are, there there's a lot, it, you know, I got to give it to, I got to hand it to Ryan. He does more than I do and does, you know, and then he creates all of his, all of this own incredible content that he's putting out there. And the guy is stacked with, with what he's working on. So I, he's a man. Like that's, and I know that that sounds like terrible, but like he has a wife and then he's got work wives on top of it. Right. Like like I say, he stacks those work wives, but you know, I think (laughs) the one thing he does though, is he does have this powerful, which both Frederick and Ryan are very smart. And I think that there's, they're both have their different, um, different, uh, strengths as far as what, which ways they're able to manifest, but both of them are very strong manifestors and, um, have different energies around what they're manifesting. And so I think that there's a lot to learn from either, from both of them about how they, you know, one has said, I want to create like a full on empire. That's media empire, you know, which is what Ryan's doing. Mm-hmm. And then add the brokerage to it, which I think is also incredible and melding those two, which is special. And I do think there's an element of 
futuristic, you know, world domination there, which I'm really impressed by. And then, you know, you have Frederick who has been able to say, listen, I want to like dominate these luxury markets and expand into different markets um, with a real presence. And, you know, and he has this, what he's done, which I think is something that's super important and different that both him and Ryan have very different ways with their real estate marketing. But I think what, what I, what I love about what Frederick has done is he brings, he has a real fant fantastical fantasy aspect of, you know, you know, like the selling ice to Eskimos, you know, fantasy of real estate thing, which there is a level of, you know, getting the prices that you need to get at that level that is partially, you know, an aura and, and a vibe and like a whole marketing guru thing that has to go on. And both of them have their own ways of doing that in different ways. Um, and so I, I commend them both for it. And I, I do come out of scenes frequently when we're filming and I'll text Ryan and just be like, how the hell do you do this every day? And then go film all your own shit. Like, what the heck? <laughs> like, how do you do this? And he'll like, come back like some cute, like some cute gif, like, hey. and I'm like, no, I'm actually serious. Like, what the hell? Teach me the ways. I, okay, I have one last question. So not talking about your show at all. Like everyone here that we're not talking about your show, but there are lots of other real estate shows out there. Do you believe that these are the pinnacle of the industry? Or do you think that a lot of these shows are just like the shock value people? Like you mean like uh, Selling Sunset and then yeah. the other one, like the other ones, like oh, so there's, there's Selling Sunset, then there's the Summer House, Summer Real Estate, house Summer something. Yeah, I don't know. Million Dollar Summer House, something. Yeah. Um, summer Real Estate. Um, I don't watch any of them, so I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, it sounds like Selling Sunset's really compelling and really interesting and probably has like that Real Housewives, like, really like strong thread, which is probably what makes it so compelling. Again, that's more of a conflict based from what I understand, but I haven't seen it. So listen, I mean, kudos to them. I think that's incredible that they put together something that's so compelling and that people really like watching it. I mean, it sounds like people get like totally sucked into it. So that's amazing. Um, I think, I think, you know, for me, I don't have that aspect of my personality and I don't think, I don't even think on a good day or bad day, anybody else on my show has that. So I think for us, it's, you know, always trying to come up with, you know, creative presentations about the property or, or incredible properties to be able to, you know, really, really wow, um, you know, really wow the audience and really keep everyone engaged. Um, so as far as like the pinnacle of the kind of real estate agent that's on television, um, what makes somebody amazing on television, I don't know if it necessarily makes them an amazing real estate agent, um, but it does, it is a platform. Um, it is a great way to get yourself out there. And for me, I always felt that given the amount of experience that I have in the industry, the relationships I have, my track record, that if people actually saw me on TV and they got a chance to get to know me, that my business would eventually explode and my following would, would grow because of the fact that I do think genuinely I'm likable to a large audience. And, um, and, I, and I think that there's an approachability and there's like a, you know, something that people over time is are going to connect with. And so that was my objective was like, listen, I mean, it's not to say I'm like Ryan or not like Ryan, or I'm like Frederick, or I'm not like them, or that I'm like the selling like, sell it like sunset ladies or not. It's really just this idea of saying this is a platform. Um, you know, and I'm excited to, I'm excited to be part of it because it's a platform. And I think me on a platform period is something that's unique. 
I've actually never watched any of the shows. I watched one episode of Selling Sunset, but I've actually never watched the Million Dollar Listing shows ever. Um, I've read everyone's books religiously, though. And and like I follow everyone online and like I follow their lives and I follow what they're doing. Um, But yeah, I I can't wait for your book to come out. That's how I feel. So so what do you think I should write my book about? I'm writing a book proposal as we speak. So I would love to hear your feedback. what um, What would you like to hear about? I mean, you are an obscenely intelligent woman. Um, so I, I would love to hear you talk about owning your power in a space that is so quick to take it away from you, right? Like I need this and I need this. And I, whether it's like business or family, the TV show, whatever it is that you're working on, like how do you own your space and honor yourself and do what you want to do? because you seem like the type of woman that does what you want to do. Yeah, I think, well, I think we all, I think, and I may, maybe I'm this is general generalization, but I think we all vacillate from being like, I own my shit and I do my thing to being like, oh my God, it's like everybody's so mean. <laughs> and I think yeah. that that's, I think that it's like trying to stay as far in the other direction as possible. And then having people that pick up the pieces on the other side, um, you know, so that like that happens less, right? Um, and I feel like I'm lucky because I haven't had so many of those, but I think, you know, um, I'm what I'm excited to talk about in my book, and this is the reason I write a blog is because of the fact that I do want to, you know, inspire women. And I also like, one of my biggest takeaways from this experience is like, I don't care if you don't, you barely cover your childcare. Mm-hmm. If you want to stay in this business, figure out a way to stay in this business. And I know it doesn't necessarily make economical sense. And like, again, I'm like the big believer of like, you figure out how to pay for it and you do what you need to do instead of like, I can't afford it. Therefore my life is going to suck. And, and I, and I did that over the years where I had years where I barely covered childcare. And you know what? It's what it is. And then I had great years. You know that made no sense why I had a great year and then back the other, you know, the other direction. And, and, and that's what happens when you're in between pregnancies and raising children and have no team and have no support system, except for your husband who's supportive, but still like, you know, how much can they really do when they don't have a woman brain? So I think, <laughs> you know, I think it's just, I think you're like a, I think you're like a Glennon Doyle meets like Joe Dispenza. That's what I think your book is. Like. Oh, it'll uh, be like a, well, and then it'll be like the Church of Kirsten Jordan, kind of like those. The yes. Oh my God, that's what it's called. A hundred percent. Yes. The Church, and of, I KJ think like, the Church of KJ. I'm going to mess up your brain in like the world's best way and make you highly successful for life and happy as well. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that, listen, I love the real estate stuff and the real estate. What, what I think what I've realized from sticking it out in the real estate industry, which is what I decided when I moved in, when I got into the real estate industry at 24, was I was like, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you just stick it out on some level. So, you know, get something that you can on a day-to-day basis be doing enough of stuff you like, and then just like stick it out. And eventually everything's going to be okay. And that's literally what happened. I just like held on for dear life during years where I literally hated it. And then it was like, hey, the reason you were meant to do this is for all this time was because you were supposed to be on a television show and that it was all going to be okay <laughs> after you're on the show for a couple of years and people actually know who you are or something like that. Well, I think it's going to be so fun to watch you over the next few years and see like where you go and what you do and all the things and we're excited and we appreciate you coming on and spending some of your time with us today. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. 
I love referrals and I pay referral fees. So anybody out there that's listening, we, we do any size business. We are very, very thankful. We are a growing team. I am also looking for team members right now, you know, experienced real estate agents um, who are looking to get into the industry. And, and that's my shtick. And I'm on Instagram and I'm on, and I have a website. What's the best way for someone who wants to send you a referral or somebody who's interested in working with you? What's the best way for them to reach you? And we'll link it in the show notes. Um, I mean, listen, I'm on Instagram and that's a great place to find me. I'm always in my own DMs and I'm always paying attention. I mean, and then, you know, Google me and you'll find, you know, I have a website. It's kirstenjordan.com. Um, so that's a great place to find me and read all of the content that I've put out there that is, you know, experimental that I'd love to get your feedback on. Um, you know, clearly a lot of that has to do with like, I have a, you know, some of it's business to business, some of it's business to consumer. Um, but a lot of like content that I am experimenting with about, you know, people's reaction and what they think about, you know, that some of the motivational content I put out there. So I would say that those are good places to find me. And of course I'm at Douglas Solomon, So you can just look me up. You are brilliant. Thank you for coming. Thank you ladies. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll, um, I'll send all this to your um, assistant when we get it all up and on the podcast. Yeah, great. And we'll, and I'll promote it. I'll promote it on my Instagram and we will, um, I'm sure people, I'm sure people will love it. I'll be like, this is the, this is the rawest interview that I've ever had. We'll yeah. Can I call it, we went to the church of Kirsten Jordan. Cause that's what, <laughs> Kirsten, 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 that's what yes. That's a great podcast title. Yeah. It's a great title. Yeah. Hey, like yeah. I, I love, I love that idea. I think that, I think it's going to come, you know, what people really want is they really want the junk juice. If you haven't watched the show yet, so you don't know, but they really want my herbs. So we're launching those hopefully this week. Um, and I'm trying not to have the detract for my real estate brand, but it's something that like people are begging me for these herbs. And so we are, we are, we're going to have a place for people to get their custom herb orders through, um, you know, through my, uh, through, through my, through my acupuncturist who's incredible. Um, so we'll be, we're working on that going live because everybody thinks like somehow if they take the herbs, they're just going to like become me, which my acupuncturist keeps being like, people are looking for an essence of KJ. They're like actually not looking for Chinese herbs. And I'm like, that's probably right. Yeah. You can just sweat, just sweat into their tea. Exactly. <laughs> and there you have it. There's your essence of KJ. Yeah, exactly. KJ. Come to the church of KJ and you can get some essence of KJ with some herbs. I don't know. It's literally, it starts to sound cult-like. It's like culty it's like the whole thing. I'm like, we got it. We got it. We got to like, brand yeah, but I mean, marketing and PR would like actually die to create a cult. So you just keep going, just run with the ball as it goes. Keep doing the, the thing. Exactly. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great week. Angela, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all realtors and would love to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Connect with the Homegirls on social media at The Real Homegirls Podcast. <laughs>